Ah, hi there. Welcome to Deeper Meaningfuls with Thursday. My name is Laurel Furs and I will be hosting episode 10. I thought it would be an awesome idea to hijack the podcast and have Mark on as a guest for a change. Now, there are three things that I love in life. Getting up to watch a sunrise, mm, salt and vinegar rice cakes daily, and of course, a good deep chat. And that's exactly what we have here in this episode with Mark. We explore everything from his background and in acting and on the show Home and Away. Uh, We explore his music and his writing, but we also explore his mind a little bit more and everything from his childhood to psychedelics. I actually learned a thing or two more about Mark that I didn't know, and I've been with him for nine years. So I really hope that you guys enjoy the episode. And if you do, of course, leave a rating and review or share the podcast. I know Mark would really appreciate that. And that's enough from me in this intro. So let's just get straight into the good stuff. And here is Mark Fizz. Almonds in my teeth. <laughs> Very nervous. <clears throat> a podcast debut, as you Australians call it. Debut. What do you say? Debut. I think some of us say debut. Keep it classy. <clears throat> Good evening. Welcome back to Deep and Meaningful with Thursday. No, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just going to stop you there. Okay. You do that bit after you finish the podcast. Okay. So when they're not there, you do the intro later. Okay. All right. Perfect. No, but look, in all seriousness, I'm quite nervous because as the listeners would have hopefully figured out by now. Our roles have been reversed and I will be interviewing or conversating. <laughs> conversating? <laughs> have you ever heard it when people, people in the States do this more, but people in the States, they go, they would say, yeah, so uh, we would, she was really angry and I tried to conversate with her about it, but she would never listen. <laughs> and I, they, people say it all the time, I'm thinking, I, Oh, that's not a thing. It's cute, isn't it? (sighs) Well, here we are. I guess, you know, you've got this great podcast and it's been, for me as a listener, it's been very enjoyable. So good for you. Thanks. For sharing, sharing that with the world. But I think it's, it's time that we got to know you a little bit better. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree? Like, who is Fursy? We hear all these guests and their stories, but... Maybe we just want to hear who Fursy is. All right. All right. So to break the ice, I'm just going to start with a few quick little questions, okay? Okay, great. You can just answer. Great. If you hear little tiptoes in the background, it's our little dog. Oh, I just <laughs> punched him in the head. Let me just get my little book here. She meant me, not the dog. She <laughs> never hits the dog. <laughs> All right. So this is just to break the ice. We're going to figure out, you know, just some cute fun facts about What's your full name, actually? For starters, let's hear the full name. My full name. <laughs> My full name is Mark Allen Holcomb Furs. All right, let's just go back one name. Allen? No, no. Holcomb? Like Hulk Holcomb. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like Hulk Holcomb. Hulk Holcomb? <laughs> like the wrestler. You mean Hulk Hogan? <laughs> no, I mean Hulk Holcomb. Oh, I'm so confused. Hulk Honeycomb? All right, we're going to cut all of that out. All right, you ready? All right. First question, favourite food? I don't know who wants to be a millionaire. Yep. 
favourite food? Um, well, it changes. No, no. Currently just, pancakes. All right. That's it. Good. Was that right? Like, do I know? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's right. It's up to you. Well, yeah, but you seem like you really Well, I know you. that your favourite food is actually cheese toasties, so you're going through mm. a pancake phase. I'm trying not to eat cheese, though. Well, you can, yeah. There's, there's and the, the vegan based. cheese is not great. Not great There's some good ones. But. Mm. All right. Favourite food, pancakes. Favourite colour? Green. Yeah, you know that one. Yes, I do. You so, know all of these. Well, I, so this is why I'm trying to figure out if I get it wrong. <laughs> it's not about me. Well... I'm just the conversator. Okay? <laughs> all right. So you act like you're all, you know, friendly and calm and nice now. But when we stop recording, it's where the hitting begins again. <laughs> all right. Shh. <clears throat> Guess who wears the pants? <laughs> I always wear pants. I wear leggings, actually. All right. Favourite podcast. How come you don't wear jeggings? <laughs> what um, do you think about jeggings? All right. I'm going to just stop you right there. This isn't about me. <laughs> I know that you are usually doing my job, but this is my job now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you are being interviewed. Favorite podcast? Uh, very, well, I, I I I quite enjoy Joe Rogan. Yes. Um, sometimes I really don't enjoy him, but I think that's why I enjoy him uh, because I like I like that he's just authentic and honest, and he's got you know he's got opinions on things, and I don't always agree with them, but that's what I like about him. Uh, I also like Sam Harris. Nice. For completely different reasons because he's like an uber nerd, very intellectual. And sometimes I listen to these conversations that he has with other neuroscientists and things and, I'm, and I'll realise for 40 minutes I'm like, I've gotten about 30% <laughs> of this. I'm, I'm really not understanding at all what's happening. Just like the sound of his voice. I just like the sounds. There's someone else that I like a lot too. Um, I like a guy named Duncan Trussell. He's pretty weird. I don't know if I've heard of Duncan he's real, Trussell. He's real funny. He's one of Joe Rogan's mates. Oh, really? What does he talk about? Aliens. Okay. Well, and I'm not even surprised. We're going to touch on all of this. This, okay, sorry, this sorry. part of you. Oh, this is meant to be a quick, quick round. Yes. Okay, this sorry. is just, again, you've, yeah, listen. Sorry. sorry. Okay. <laughs> Favorite place? Favorite place? Yeah. This can be, this is like, can be any sort of place country, restaurant. Favorite room in the house? Samadhi. Somebody, okay. Um, that's the that's like the kind of enlightened place you get to when you're meditating. Oh, see, I'm not enlightened like you. So oh, I you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yet to figure out that place. So, yeah, well, you know, it's a pretty good place to be. Um, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite place. Um, Let's just okay. Let me just fine tune that. Favorite city or suburb. I'm enjoying where we are. Pretty good. Right now, here in, in the, on the northern beaches, it's quite nice. I haven't visited enough places, so I guess I just have to answer of the places that I've visited before. Yep, that's how it works. I, I like New Zealand. I do like it. The correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Good, thanks. That'll do. Most embarrassing moment. Oh, fuck. You've got to have one. That's hard. I, I've got an actual. Well, I guess I'm quite ashamed of this. It's quite a. Is it a bit heavy? A little bit. <laughs> well, I think you should share it because you know we all get ashamed, and well, most of us don't talk I was about really it. So embarrassed let's hear about it. myself. It's not. It's not a. It's not a fun story. Oh. I did something where, I knew that some some friends of mine were, they liked each other, 
but they hadn't told each other that they liked each other. And so I asked one of them if he liked her and without him knowing I recorded it on my phone. <laughs> and then, and then um, and it was meant to be all harmless, right? I thought it was going to be a nice thing. And then I told him that I'd recorded it and he got real pissed off and I instantly was like, of course he's pissed off. Oh, my God. You should never have done that. I'm sorry. Who are you? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, because I thought it was going to be really romantic. I thought it was going to be nice. How old were you? I was 30. <laughs> like this, you must have been a teenager, right? I think I was, um, I think I was 20. Yeah, I think I was 20. Oh. 19. Wh- so wait, why did you record it? Because you wanted him to hear her say that she liked him. I recorded him. She, well, she she hadn't asked me, but she, well, she'd asked me if he liked her, and so I thought, oh well, I'll just I'll just ask him and record it, <laughs> and then I can then I can have then I can have proof. <laughs> he didn't like it. Why didn't he like it? I well, think because that, you know I think you were being a good friend because maybe I was trying to be, but I didn't realize how complicated the situation was I guess between your, them. Your and, intentions were good, so that's mm. you know your intentions were good. So. But I, I, me- I remember doing it and. Th- and I remember before I was doing it, I was like, you probably shouldn't do this. But my intentions were good. And then after I did it, it really backfired and he was really upset and annoyed. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, why did you do that? And, and it's funny. It's something that I've even – I dream about that experience and how much – how embarrassed I was of doing that. Like maybe embarrassment's the wrong word. No, I think – well, I think feeling ashamed is probably the correct word. And look, ashamed. you've just aired your sins to the – Listeners, so maybe this is a bit of a purge. Mm. Release, bless and release. Mm. I'm sure your friend forgives you now. He's probably, he probably doesn't even remember. No, well, that's the funny thing about these kinds of stories. You and never, you, you kind of hang on to them yourself, but mm. the other, the other people involved don't remember it at all. Mm. Um, I'm pretty embarrassed about the time how I told you that I used to wet the bed. <laughs> all right, well, you we didn't have to carry on. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're moving on. Yeah. Sorry, you're not embarrassed about that at all. This is the thing; it's a hard question. I quite enjoy embarrassment. I reckon if you pissed the bed now, you'd wake me up and be like, "Lolly, I just wet the bed." This <laughs> <laughs> would be a funny moment. It would be funny. I, oh my see, God. no, I quite in, see. You've asked the wrong person because what's your most embarrassing moment? Every day with me. <laughs> no, I do have one. Do yeah. you, should I tell you? Yeah, I've told you this, but. I was on a date and the guy's name was Mark, funny enough. Right. <clears throat> and it wasn't was, me though. No, it wasn't you. And it was in Auckland and there was it was in a, like in a beach, beachy area. There was a beach and then across the road was a bunch of cafes. Very busy. It was like Saturday morning brunch. It was a brunch date. Mm. Had some food, then we we're gonna go for a nice little romantic stroll over to the beach. I was having a great time. And then as I left the restaurant we walked across the like the sidewalk and then there was a dog bowl like drinking bowl full of water i didn't see it so i stepped in the dog bowl and then fell into the gutter right right in front of it was like saturday brunch packed restaurants on a first date i was wearing white shorts and it was very muddy and the, it was not fun. Okay. You fell on your bad. ass in front of strangers. Yeah, and I was only and 20. And you were trying to impress only, the guy. Yeah. Now I wouldn't probably care too much, but I definitely, I was mortified. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But now I think it's very funny and I share it with everyone. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good, that's a, that's a, 
that's a nice stereotypical embarrassing story. That is, that is, that is yeah. very well, That's way better than mine. I didn't even think of something like that. Well, I, I'm not surprised that we went a bit deep with you, Mark. Well, the show, the show's called Deep and Meaningful. Exactly. So, you know, so. Maybe you need to. Now, we've just talked about the most embarrassing moment, so let's hear your proudest moment. You can only give us one or if two. You, well, if you weren't here, I would probably say the time that we confessed our love for each other. Oh, stop. <laughs> Cute. But I'm not going to say that because that's gross. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Your, I think. Oh, sorry. You're, sorry. It doesn't have to be the like. It's not like there's just one. But what's one that really stands out? It was Marley. It was our dog Marley. Aww. Yeah, that whole scenario with him where he was really unwell, and I'm quite I'm quite a lazy person, as you very well know. It's true, guys. And I really stepped up for him, and I just. I'm just proud of him. I just loved him so much. You know, I'm actually really proud of you for that too. He was, um, you went above and beyond for him and it was really beautiful to watch you in that caregiving role. You really looked after him and he had a great few years with us. So, mm. Yeah, I'm proud that he was yeah. in our life. Really, yeah. It was a real privilege. Okay, so last one, favourite quote. I feel like these are questions that normally – you're told before that you're going to get asked these questions so that you have something witty and clever to answer with? Well, you know, you, you, you've been interviewed a few times in your life, so mm. should be prepared. Okay. My favourite quote. I, honestly, the favourite quote that I have is from my mate Ollie. Oh. And I said it in one of the other podcasts. It's, he said, it's hard to be honest around people you don't know, but if you aren't honest, you'll spend your life around people you don't know. I remember when I, I heard you say that in that podcast and I love it. It's mm. a beautiful quote. That one's, that one's really good. I really like authenticity and honesty is just resonates really well with me, I mm. think. Mm. The truth. Even if it's shit. <laughs> Even if it's Honesty is the best policy. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to just pause the podcast. I keep hearing myself fondling the microphone. We'll, st- we'll just hold on to it and stop fondling. <laughs> I'm so scared. Okay. Are you still doing it? I know, but I'm trying to get comfortable. And you remember, know you... remember the time when I said, do you want a mic stand? And you went, no. <laughs> no? Well, I've held a few mics in my time. All right. All right. So listen, there you go, a little introduction. I mean, look, it was a long intro, but, uh, you know, deep and meaningfuls. Not surprised. So going back to… Have you already learned that podcasts don't go the way you want them to and you have to just kind of… <laughs> Go, oh, oh, we're talking about this now, are we? Well, I have only done one, so I'm sure you've learned that already. Mm. All right. Well, I'm learning that. Uh, so, you know, for some of our listeners, they might remember you from the TV show Home and Away. Mm. And I met you when you were, had, well, I think you'd been off the show for maybe, was it, I don't know, how long? About a year, you and a half. So, maybe two. And I just want to talk a little bit about your time, you know, on that show because you're you were quite famous back then and no offence, but you're not really that famous anymore. Like, you <laughs> sorry. sorry. Oh, my God. I don't mean it like that. I just mean. It the must- only thing that made that offensive <laughs> is the fact that you said no offence because it's true. <laughs> well, it is true. And, look, I just, I'm just curious to know how what your experience was on the show at the height of – I guess your success on the show and how different your life is now and the thing, I guess the things that you've learned going through that whole thing. 
So if we go back to even how you got on the show, let's just talk about that because mm. I know there's people that are hardcore fans of Home and Away. So um, that doesn't it air in like 120 countries? 150 countries. <laughs> Bajillion countries. Mm. Yeah, so lots of people watch it. Yeah, they do. Mm, they still remember you from that show. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So how old were you when you went on Home and Away? I was 17. Mm-hmm. I was doing my HSC, which in Australia is just, you know, your last year of school, whatever your graduation year is. Mm-hmm. I was – so, uh, yeah, I'll rewind for you so you know how it started. Go on. I – when I was 14, I got a role in a TV show because I was – I always did the school school plays, mm-hmm. did the theatre and I did some Orange Theatre some, some, um, Orange theater Company. I lived in Orange. Mm-hmm. They weren't they weren't theatre. <laughs> they weren't Orange Theatre. It was <laughs> theatre in Orange. Um, just played at Oompa Loompas. Yeah, yeah, just a <laughs> spray tan theatre. And anyway, so I got um, asked to audition for this kids' TV show when I was 14 and I got the role. And then from there, that was called Outriders. I got an agent and then my agent would set me up for random auditions. But because I lived in the country, I didn't really get that many. Did you want to be an actor? Is this like, I feel like by the sounds of that, I mean, you did drama at school, but I did drama at school too. Mm. So you just, did you know I'm going to be an actor? Yeah. (laughs) You did? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because I, I, the first one that I did was, was a show called Oliver and I was eight I think. Was it a TV show? No, no, it was, sorry, that was a, a, the Orange Theatre Company production of Oliver. Oh, and you played Oliver? And I played Oliver. Did yeah, you? So did, was, there was singing and there was acting. Oh, so okay. I, from that, that was, and that was just, that was fantastic. Cool. My dad was in it as well. He played the character of Fagin. So we were both on stage together and, and, and dad always did theatre. As when I, and so I'd watch him when I was a kid and I was like, wow, that's, I really looked up to him and, and I, and I loved it. And it's and Dad still does some theatre every now and again. That's cool. I'd love to see your dad in some theatre. Yeah, actually, he's pretty funny. As, yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. He goes hard. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So yeah, so I I got this kids' TV show Outriders, and then I got an audition. You know, years later, for, I th- oh, there was a couple of other things. There was like I think I was a guestie on an episode of Water Rats. Oh, when you're in your teens, early yeah. teens. Yeah. Cool. I was playing this character who was like chopping down trees and stuff because a guy was paying me to do it and he was going to give me a PlayStation. <laughs> wait, <laughs> that was a real breakout role. Wait, wait, wait. You were chopping chopping down trees anyway and they said, can we film you? Or you were cast? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Yeah, my skills. And then he just gave you a PlayStation no as acting payment. Required. Yeah. No, no, that was okay. the storyline. Oh, brilliant. Then I did a, a, a pilot episode of a new TV show called Balmain Boys, which was going to be – which was like a movie-length episode for the first one, but it never ended up um, getting picked up. And then I i can't remember if there was anything else in there. Just pause for a minute. Just pause for a minute? Yes, because I've got a freaking dog climbing all over me. <laughs> you roll with the punches. All right, well, carry on. Okay, so. What if I was really famous <laughs> and you're just telling me to pause for a minute? This is a, com- we are conversating <laughs> and it's casual. You said to me this would be casual. Yeah. So it, it doesn't matter if well, we... Guess what? It's not. <laughs> this is really serious. Well, Roggie doesn't... He's not taking it serious at all. I'm actually very... I feel like I'm learning some new things about you. I didn't realise that it was a big part of your upbringing. I thought you just... I knew you did that TV show at 14, but I, I for some reason thought you just kind of fell into it. No, I was always in the school plays. And I got a lot of like the lead roles in the school plays. 
Oh, wow. Oh, this is so cool. You know what's really cool about this? You made it. Like you had your, you, mm. you wanted to be an actor and it actually happened. And for mm. so many actors and musicians, obviously for me too, with my music background, it's a dream. And sometimes it just doesn't pan out the way that you hoped, but for you it actually did. That's really beautiful. Yeah, well, I was so I – was, I was young too, you know, 14 and getting, getting this TV show role. Mm. It wasn't a huge TV show, but it was on TV. Yeah. And I was a kid from the country. And then Home and Away was – it was crazy. I was 17, so I was a guest. That's right. So now we're up to Home and Away. Yeah, so I was a guest for six months and then I left to go and finish my exams which I really didn't care about, mm-hmm. find those in. Did when, you pass? I think I got, I think my HSC score was like 49. What, what, what out of what? Well, like 49%? Yeah, I think so. You didn't pass? No. Oh, I feel so much better about myself now because <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't even do mine. <laughs> you didn't do it? Martin. And here I was thinking that you'd pass with flying colours. No, 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 no. you just scum like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're living in a house of scum. Yep. Scum life. Yep. Hashtag, hashtag scum life. <laughs> can't spell. Yep. Can't speak. Hey, my spelling's immaculate. It's true. Actually. I can't do numbers. I do numbers. You do spelling. Timesing and plusing, not so much. Grammar, full stops, commas. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay, yep, you phoned it in. Yeah, yeah and then, then the day after, pretty much, I moved to Sydney and started as a regular on Home and Away. Wow. Crazy. It was crazy. It was real crazy. And you just came up here by yourself? Yeah. Cool. And you were full-time filming? Mm. Yeah. So they, they, my character was, my contract was, I think it was, they do, they do it in blocks of five, mm-hmm. five episodes a week, right? Mm-hmm. Most characters are on like contracted to two or maybe three out of five episodes a week. So that they, they, if they don't put you in two, they have to pay you for two. Oh, and you were contracted for five. I was contracted for two. Most oh, sorry. Were, most were contracted okay. for two to five, two okay. to three. Gotcha. I think Ray, who's who's Alf, yeah, is the only one who was like for five. But sure. then again, I'm not entirely sure of the contractual mm. everyone's contractual agreements. You know? Sure. But that was still a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. So, how long after filming did you did things sort of change? Did you notice a change in just your you know just being out in public because like, people would recognise you. Like what was that like going from just being, you know, country boy to being a famous soap star? I remember I was in Orange with – I was going 10-pin bowling with Dad and I'd just gotten the role and we were talking about it and Dad said to me, well, you know what, make the most of your anonymity, mate, because it's things are going to change in your life. And I and I was like, yeah, yeah I guess they are, yeah. And, I, you know, obviously I had no point of reference. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what – what was going to happen. So then I started filming and then I think it's, I think it's three months after you film until it airs. Okay. So it might even be more than that. Anyway, you're, you're on the show and you're filming and you're doing it for three months, which is, you know, a good chunk of time Mm. to be working somewhere every day before anybody knows what's happened. And then, and you know, all these crazy storylines might've happened and then you appear on air and and then it's, you know, a few weeks or so after that when people start to recognise you because they're pretty, they're pretty fanatical about the show. What's well, on five, five nights five a week? Five nights a week, yeah. yeah. Right. So okay. what was the question? So I just wanted to know like how long after you started filming did you notice 
maybe life was changing a little bit because obviously you're you know you're on a huge TV show and mm. people will recognize you. Were you getting you know I guess when you think about a TV star and their life, it's you. Pro- I guess for me, I would have an idea. It's probably a little different now, but have an idea of what it might be like. And I'm just curious to know what it was like for mm. you. Like, were you going to lots of events? Were you being harassed all the time? Were you, you know, like what was, what was it like? Or was it not really that different? Was it just things would happen here and there and it was just not really that different? It was different. I think it was odd for me because I wasn't, I was quite naive and I wasn't really aware of being famous. Mm. I wasn't really I don't want to say I wasn't interested in it because I think everybody's interested in it because, you know, after about four months from, you know, filming, I'd been on air for about a month, you know, I'd start looking around and, you know, obviously the first night I was on air, I'd, I'd be out in public and I'd be looking around to see if people would recognise me, you know. I was, I was 18. I was yeah. an 18-year-old kid, you know. I was ready for like, I was getting famous. Like, yeah, totally. I'm on the TV. So I remember doing that and then and then people started to recognise me and would come up to me and talk to me and, you know, oh, you're the guy from Home and Away and that mm. kind of thing. And I think that it – but but I wasn't trying to be famous. So I, I didn't have a publicist. Oh, I wasn't, so ha- hang on. So wait, when you say you weren't trying – you can be – what, play the game a little bit more and become more – Oh, yeah. Really? Absolutely, yeah. Well, one thing that I learned is that a lot of – and, you know, this is a little insider tip here. A lot of the paparazzi situations – more so in Australia than in the States and in the UK. The UK and in the States, they're pretty organic. But here, it's not an accident that someone is caught by the paparazzi. Really? So From my experience. So what, it's like scheduled yeah. with the publicist? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you see people mm. on photos of – the, uh, photos of people on the cover of magazines doing things they shouldn't be doing or being places they shouldn't mm. be or whatever, all that kind of stuff, or or even being somewhere they should be, but it's just like a candid photo of someone at the beach, you know, hanging out. Mm. It's more often than not scheduled. Really? Now, I don't know. It's been a while, so things might yeah. have changed. Well, but I don't know. Are people even reading those magazines anymore? I feel like people can just – they go straight to the source now, just go to their Instagram page. Mm. Mm. Well, um, people – I think people love them, but – Oh, that's a really? good question. I'm not reading them, so I'm no. the wrong person to ask. I used to read them, but yeah. I would only get them when I was flying, getting on a plane. I would, it was like the only time it was allowed. Right. But, you know, I don't do that now because we've got smartphones. Well, they're very – from my experience, there would be – there were some people who had a publicist and there was a show, that were like personal publicist, mm. and there was a publicist for the show. And obviously some people are going to get more attention than others, you know, people that are more attractive or people that are – in a celebrity couple. So you got lots of attention then, eh? <laughs> it's just, just super attractive. I didn't though. But <laughs> that's cute of you to say that. But see, I didn't see I didn't this is what I'm saying. I wasn't trying to be famous. Sure. I didn't really play the game. Like I had long sideburns for ages because <laughs> I thought sideburns were cool. And, and you had, and you grew your hair long too. I grew didn't my you? hair long because I like heavy metal. And they didn't want you to, right? No, they didn't want me to have the sideburns, let alone the long hair. So, so <laughs> they were cool enough to let me do it, but they begrudgingly let me do really? it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, from what you're saying, life it didn't really change drastically. People would just sort of notice. Oh, you sorry, it did. It oh, did. It did. Okay. Yes, it you're was. You're just dancing around it a bit because you're yeah. very humble. Well, no, <laughs> I, you were fucking famous, I, Brad. I guess what was, <laughs> it, it did get to a point where I couldn't go out in public without people recognizing me. And was that annoying? Uh, sometimes. 
Okay. But it depended on what it was like. Did because you, it's not like it would be a swarm of people around me and, you know, I yeah, couldn't get out of a car. Like, yeah. It would be someone come up to me and go, oh, you're from home and away. Hi. And, you know, you, I'd, I'd shake their hands. They, back, back then people wanted me to sign something mm. and there was no smartphones. Yeah, right. I suppose um, you were, yeah, I guess and the there was time. No, it was just before Instagram. Yeah, right. So I guess if you, yeah, I wonder if how different it would have been if it was at, your your time on the show was when the social media was around. Very different. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, you. I think it it forces it's forced us as a as a society be, to become much more self aware and mm. self conscious. So, I mean, people become famous without doing anything other than Instagram, mm. let alone being famous from being on a TV show and then using Instagram to promote that. Mm-hmm. So. It would be a very, very different experience. Also, I mean, again, I was young and I didn't, I didn't play the game. I just kind of wandered around and went to the events I was told to go to, and I didn't hustle to try and be seen. Mm. I would, I do, I did whatever I wanted to do. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I had, I had more money than I knew what to do with. You know, I was, I was, I was acting, and I was recognisable. And did you get lots of attention from the ladies? <laughs> um. I'm going to need help with what the right answer is to this question. <laughs> Tread very carefully, boy. No, of course you would have. Yes. Yeah. But it was odd. They? It was odd attention. Really? It was all the, – the attention from everyone in general was you're the guy from home and mm. away and, and people either loved or hated me. Oh, really? Did you yeah. – were people rude to you? Yeah. Oh, son yeah. of a bitch. Mm. Don't mm. like that. Yeah, there were people that were that were pretty – isn't that funny? Mm, one guy, one guy tried to fight me. Well, he did fight me. <laughs> um, would you, do you care to share the story? Yeah, I can tell you the story. <laughs> um, I was. I'm not a violent person, as you know. Mark is. You're just the least violent person. You're so kind and caring, and it's kind of a problem. Gentle. Like I need. Well, you're the, getting not well, the violence, but the yeah. my, my lack of confrontational nature sure. is a bit of a problem for me because it doesn't. I don't. Well, listen, I think it's a really great quality. And I think if there was a situation where you had to, like that one time that. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even say what? the story. What? When we were in New Zealand and we were in the laun- laundromat <laughs> and this real butch woman. Yeah. She, I can't remember what happened. She like overheard, she thought she overheard. You walked in <laughs> and you went, hi, and nobody said anything. And you turned to me and said, oh, a friendly bunch. And she thought you said "fucking bitch," <laughs> and so she Shit. she put down her meth pipe she and did. started screaming. Oh my god! And you, you went into battle for me. You like stood up for me, but then we had to run away because she was crazy. Yeah, because of course, see, I didn't know because I, I was like, I stood up for, for us, and then and then she started coming at us, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, what am, what am I going to do now? Am I going to punch a woman? Yeah, no. And then you were like, I'll hit her. I was like, no, 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 no. She's, <laughs> I mean, she's unstable. And so then I realized I'd bitten off more than I could chew. It was like the time I, we went to Mexico and I learned how to ask questions but didn't know what how to understand the answer. That's right. You got quite good. Your accent was really great. So it sounded like you knew what you are talking about. <laughs> yeah. And so Mark would ask questions in perfect Spanish and then people would just <laughs> back. And I'd just nod and go, ah. <laughs> okay. Gracias. Uh, gracias. Adios. And then just leave. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. So, yes, non-confrontational. It's good. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I That's think, right. look, I think it's a nice quality and 
Um, and, I, and I do believe in a situation where you had had to do something, you would. Well, let me tell you the story. So I think <laughs> at this time I was probably, it was probably in the middle, so I was probably 20. After I'd finished recording my friends confessing their love for other friends. <laughs> I was out in Bondi Junction with two mates from high school actually, Mac and Boo. Still good mates with Mac and Boo. Love those boys. And we were pretty boozed and we were going to leave. It was late. It was going to be rowdy. Bondi Junction used to get a bit rowdy. So I left. We, we, we all left. And I was like, boys, I'm getting a pie. Do you want a pie? Nobody wanted a pie. I was like, I'm getting a pie. Crossed the road to a little corner store and noticed this dude was following me. And he said something to me and it's all a bit foggy. But he said something to me and I kind of looked and I just was like, just ignore him, just keep going. You know, this would happen. People, drunk guys would try and pick fights with a famous guy, you know, because I don't know. So I just was, I just would ignore them and got a pie, then went to cross back across the street again. He followed me <laughs> and said something else. Now, I can't remember the exact way it went, so I'm just going to do my very best. He said something and then I think he threw a sausage roll at me <laughs> and it hit me in the head. And no, it hit me in the back. Because <laughs> oh. and then I and then that annoyed me. And so I turned I picked it up and I think I threw it back at him and hit him in the face. <laughs> yeah, babe. I think I did that. Let's just say you did it. Funny. Yeah, it's, did it's it. good for the story. You smashed him dead in, right the face in his face with a sausage roll. Bang. And but then and then he was and then he came up and he was like and he was just saying stuff and he was trying to be trying to provoke me and I said, dude, I don't even know who you are. And he was kind of coming at me and he was walking towards me and I was like, man, I don't know what your problem is, dude. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to fight you. I don't know who you are. And then Maka comes over to help out. I was like, what's going on? And the guy was looking at me and he goes, is this your mate? And then he grabs Maka by the back of the head while still looking at me. And went crack. And headbutted him in the nose, and Macca's nose exploded. Oh. And so Macca's on his ass in the street, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then Boo comes running over, and Boo was like, "Then Boo pushed him." And then the guy goes, "The guy did the same thing to Boo. He was looking at me and just went bang and like sucker punched Boo." Jeez. And Boo fell, and then he went to kick Boo in the head, but luckily Boo put his arm up and protected himself because Boo's a real athletic dude. Right? <laughs> you can't hurt Boo. Poor so Macca's nose savage. is all over the place. It was savage. And I was like just – I just freaked out. I was, I, I was like – I was just kind of frozen. Yeah. Wow. And I remember there was a guy to my right and I turned to him and went, can you help us? And bang, he punched me in the face. <gasps> and it was one of his mates. So there was – I realised that I was surrounded by like four guys and they wanted to obviously get in a fight with the just because, home and away guy. Wow. Just – and they were like the same age? I guess so, yeah. Just testosterone yeah. overload, just and alcohol. Yeah. Wow. And and I saw crazy. and then he kinda of, he grabbed he was trying to punch me and I was like I was pushing him away and going, I'm not fighting you. And then he grabbed my shirt and like pulled it over my head and was trying to punch uppercut me. Oh and then I kind of wiggled out of my shirt and pushed him off. And and then I can't remember what happened from there, but I, it, it ended. They all got in a car and drove off. And poor Macca's nose was never the same again. He's still very He's handsome. He's still gorgeous. Yeah, but Jeez, um, he, wow. he really he really put his nose on the line for me. <laughs> wow, that's horrible. And that was just just because you're the guy from TV. Yeah, I I I, I don't know if I did anything to provoke them, but that doesn't <laughs> sound like me. It that's doesn't. Not... Even even when you're drunk, you're pretty 
yeah. controlled. But that's not control. uncommon. That would happen. Mm. Like I remember there would be guys, you know, we'd meet some of the guys from the from the footy, from the NRL guys, mm. and they didn't really like us. Oh, really? So they'd like um, Hem- Hemsey would have a hard time with them too because he was a big guy. He still is a big guy. He's bigger now. <laughs> um Physically and figuratively, but yeah. he, you know, he he'd kind of butt heads with those guys a bit. And I remember them. We were in a bar sometime. One of them was throwing ice chips at us, and you know, just wow. trying to provoke just us and that kind of thing. Wow. So there was a bit of a weird culture with the yeah with the fame side of things. I don't know how we get onto that, but yeah, that's a fun little anecdote. Wow. Okay. So when. So you're. I think it was also because my character was violent. Oh, so oh, because you quite often play these real. Badass, violent, yeah. aggressive characters, and you're just the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, acting. You do look like you could be a bit of a bit of a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I from don't, your own wife. Yeah, no, you, you look like you could be a bit of a wanker. You, no, you just look like you could fucking you know make someone's nose explode. Right, right. Yeah, like you could just take them out. I, you know what? I've never, I've never punched anyone. I lied. I punched someone when I was in like grade three. Oh, that doesn't really count. But I've never like. It's Maybe not that's my why. Instinct. Maybe because you did you feel awful when you did awful. that? Awful. Well, there you go. Maybe that was a how. What, well, I don't have brothers either. What's grade three? How old? Are you? Uh, seven. Oh, I think that Eight, that seven. experience possibly. It's just not my. It's not in. You know, it's like they have. You have the fight or flight or freeze instinct, mm. and you're not conscious when that happens. That's, it's not a choice. People think that it's a choice. But physically it's not you a choice. You don't have a choice. No. Right. It's just, fight or flight. It is an instinct and your you conscious re- mind is offline. You just react. And you just react. Away. And wow. my reaction is flight. It's wow. just like I'm not doing this. Well, I, I need to remove myself. Now the thing that scares me is, you know, that scenario we talked about and joked about before, if something were to happen to you or a situation where I, where I did have to get, where I did have to fight, I don't know what would happen. Yeah. Because it's not in my nature. so It's in my nature, babe, so don't yeah. worry. I got you. I got thanks. you, boo. Yeah, thanks, babe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I will fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, cool. All right. So going back to oh, – okay, great story. Thanks. So now that you're really out of that world, do you miss it? What, the being famous? Yeah, just being on a show. Be Like what part of that world do you miss and what part do you not miss? The thing about it, about something like Home and Away is it's got such a culture around it and so many fans that the fans love the show and pretty much whoever you put on the show. So I guess what I was craving what, what, not craving, what I realised was that I didn't have that many people come up to me and say, hey, I really liked what you did in this scene. When I would make a personal impact on someone, that was huge for me. Mm. But a lot of it was more so because I was on Home and Away. So that, that kind of I realised pretty quickly. And I think that was the case. That's the case for everyone, you know. Mm. It, it's re- it was more rare to have someone conversate about <laughs> how you made a personal impact on them but when it did that was that was really meaningful but it was more often like you know they loved you because you're on the show and it didn't matter who you were or what you did because mm. you really love acting don't you not yeah. what comes with it you just really love doing it so I guess having yeah. that recognition for the 
the work that the you do as opposed to just being a famous guy would have been really Yeah. Special. And there are people who want to be recognised. They want to be famous. They want mm. that. That's more so what is what is on their agenda. And that's cool. That's not that's not so much what gets me off, mm. you know, what gets me going. It's, it, it, that, stuff is, that stuff is cool and I did it. But, you know, as I was saying, it was when I realised that it wasn't actually – a lot of the time it wasn't really anything to do with me personally mm. – I kind of went, oh, it's kind of a yeah. bit hollow. You're just sort of filling a – Yeah, because we would do these things where – Name we, here. We, yeah, mm. yeah, we would do appearances where we would sit down on a panel – and there'd be a few cast members and it would be like, let's say me, Chris, Isabel and Shani would sit down on a panel and we'd have our fan cards, which was a photo of us, and it would say Mark Furs plays Rick Dolby. Mm-hmm. It'd be some, you know, goofy photo of me with the Channel 7 logo and then there'd be lines of people for mm. ages and they would come up and we'd have a, a moment with them and say, hi, how are you, what's your name? Jessica, hi, Jessica, you know. Wow love Mark and do the signature and, and hand out fan cards for hours and hours and hours on end. And it was a very weird experience because they would be kind of gushing over us but more often than not it was like it was just like collect them all yeah. kind of thing. So it was it was odd that we were being – it felt initially like we were being worshipped and then we realised – well, I realised at the end of it, I was like, wow, I actually feel quite used. It was wow. it was very odd. And there was this weird feeling of gratitude and an, and an ego explosion mm. and then also this hollow, like, oh, it's not, no one really wants to know about me. It's not about, about you personally. No. It's about the character you're playing in yeah. the show. And, yeah, and well. don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm really grateful for those experiences. Mm. But they were not, like, it was just a weird experience mm. to be on the receiving end of that. As an, I think that people don't quite take the time to think that you're just like them, that yeah. they're just like you. Like anybody could be in that scenario, and it's. I think they think that you're a different, a different species mm. or something. So it's 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 hard, it's an odd thing to wrap your head around. Mm. Um, I didn't really answer your question. I don't even know what the question, I think the question was. Question was like, do I? I think do I miss it? No, just no, I, no. You did answer it. Right. I think. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. Deep and meaningful. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So by the sounds of your – so your career here in Australia was pretty was pretty good. Like you sort of – well, I guess you're 14, you got your show and then Home and Away and then I know you did Underbelly. And then mm. – so what made you – That's right. So yeah. you moved to the States. Yeah, I did a movie before I moved to the States mm-hmm. called A Heartbeat Away. And again, I played an aggressive alpha male douchebag mm-hmm. who was punching people, <laughs> <laughs> and then moved to the states. Yeah, maybe if you're ever in a situation, you just need to pretend you're on set. Mm. If you need to, if you need to fight someone, jump up and down. Yep, just get into character. Yeah, yeah, or just act crazy. I think that's take your pants <laughs> off. No one's no one's to fight a guy with no pants on. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Okay, so when you went to the States, did you think it would be the same? Like what were you kind of naive just going, just wandering off to LA to obviously do more? You were going there for acting, right? Yeah. Yeah, so did you? Acting and music stuff, yeah. Did you think it would be easy? I thought it would be easier than someone who didn't have the credits that I had. I was not too naive about that. Mm. I'd certainly learned a lot from the Home and Away experience. I think what I've realised now is that the the celebrity side of things 
is really very, very, very powerful. Mm. And it's the one side of things that I always struggled with. Right. You know, like growing the sideburns and growing my hair and making decisions that were probably not helping me become more famous. Mm. It's very in your nature though to go against the grain, you know, like you like to question, you got, you're very curious and you, you like to question just, well, I guess society, the way we do things. And so I'm not surprised you almost did the same going into this acting, with mm. the world of, you know, being famous and trying to do the opposite of what everyone wants you to do. Mm. Where did that come from? Because <laughs> I guess I never questioned things before I met you and when it, you know, obviously with me with um, the health and fitness background and now that I know a lot more about food and the things that we're taught about food isn't really the right answer. Well, for me it's not. But I, I think you were the person who really influenced me to have curiosity around my beliefs. So I know I got that from you, but where did you get that from? You, you know, you're a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know if I'm a conspiracy theorist. Well, you like to dive into that yeah, world. Absolutely. You like to go down the rabbit hole, and yeah. you're open to it. Yeah, and you want to. You're not just going to believe something. You need to. to you figure it out for yourself. Whereas yeah. a lot of people just they see they see it on the news or they read something, and it's fact for them. But maybe mm. it's. No, you're right. I do like conspiracy theories. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean I agree with them. But yeah, I do I love don't, them. Yeah, they're very intriguing. Where did it come from? I th- I'm trying to figure this out now. I think it's a combination of just. A curious nature as a kid. Mm. Um, I think it's just in my personality. But there are also circumstances that caused me to question things in my in my upbringing. For instance, in high school, my my girlfriend cheated on me with my best friend. Bitch. <laughs> and everybody knew about it except me for quite a while. Do we want to have names and Instagram handles? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking about here? No, we've let this we've, we've let this go. I've grown okay, from sorry, it. sorry, I've grown sorry, sorry. As you were. So that, but that experience, I think, really led me to question things, to start to go, all right, things aren't always what people say they are. Right, because you were, so you were the only one in the dark about it. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much everyone and everyone knew. Really? And I didn't know and I was really naive about all that. So that, I think, taught me to, yeah, ask questions and, and kind of, lean into my intuition a little bit more and start to go, well, hang on, does this actually feel right? Mm. I know I'm being told one thing, but how does it feel? What is my instinct and my gut, my intuition telling me? And I guess that's something that I've carried with me because Mm. there was another situation that happened in, while I was on Home and Away, I wanted to get in shape. I wanted to get in really good shape. So I started doing some homework online about diet and eating. And so I I think it would have been 20, 19, 20. And uh, I found, I stumbled across this thing called the Spartan Health Regime by a guy named Tony Bova. And I was reading it, it was this whole sales funnel page and it was really intriguing. And I'd never seen anything like that before. And and he was talking about the truth about food, basically Mm. about, about processed food and about whole food and how, and how your body breaks down fat and, 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 you know, about macronutrients and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember learning about this thing. It was basically the paleo diet. It's basically what it was before paleo mm. was a thing. And where is it? He's not. I can't is, find him. I've looked really? him up again, um, but I can't, I can't find him. That's interesting. I haven't done, I haven't done that much digging. 
Mr. Paleo. Yeah, it was basically the paleo yeah. diet. So it was, it, he was, um, and it made a lot of sense. Mm. It was all about eating real whole foods. It was, it was just fruit all morning. 50% of your diet was fruit. And then the rest of it was basically good quality protein sources. Mm-hmm. At the time it was, you know, meat. I was yeah. eating a lot of meat back then. But I got in the best shape of my life. And I realised then I was like that started making me really question everything. Well, I guess it's because it's very – it's opposite to the food pyramid that we all used to abide by back exactly. then. Yeah. Exactly. And we're all taught it in school. Like yeah, do you remember that? And, like seeing know, the yeah. food pyramid poster on the walls. Yeah, and- you're meant to be drinking milk and eating yeah. bread and all this kind of white bread and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I started – after learning that and seeing the way it affected my body and, and, and how I felt compared to what I was seeing in – ads on the TV and on mm. the radio and how they – and I realised, oh, these ads are bullshit. Mm. They're not true. So I guess that was what made me kind of start really leaning into my intuition even more mm. and starting to question things even more. So I guess, you, you know, when I was told not to have sideburns, I was kind of like, why? Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens if I have sideburns. Yeah. And there were a few people – who would actually come up to me and give me personal feedback about how they loved my sideburns. <laughs> oh, wow. So you got so, some of that personal recognition. I actually craving. did, which was, which was very interesting, yeah. you know. Um, some people said they didn't like him, but that's fine, you know. You mm. can't please everyone. But it, that was actually really rewarding for people to come up to me and go, hey, dude, check it out. I, I had a couple of guys come up and they'd grown their sideburns too and they <laughs> oh, were pumped wow. when they saw me. Oh, that's They're so like, cool. like, oh, my God, I have sideburns because yeah. of you, bro. And I was like, wow. Cool. I remember the reason I grew them was because <laughs> Rob Romano in high school, obviously developed very early, had some fucking mean sideburns <laughs> when we were in like year nine. And I was like, wow. want to be like Rob when I, I grow up. want to be like Rob. <laughs> Love it. So then I, you know, had to wait till I was wow. 20 before yeah. I could grow them. Okay, cool. So you kind of just figured all this stuff out on your own, whereas you've influenced me into questioning things a little more and being a bit curious. I love that about you. You kind of just, I feel like. I've been on a huge journey of growth and spirituality, but I feel like you were just always a, f- a couple of blocks ahead of me and you just – I've needed a lot of things like podcasts and you know, obviously people to inspire me and help me on my journey, but you've kind of just done it on your own. I don't know. You've just – it's like been in you to to just have evolve and grow, I guess, and you've inspired me a lot to – to obviously have that part of me come out. But, yeah, it's just been in you all along. So it's mm. really – Oh, thanks. I mean, it also comes from having very loving and understanding parents. Yeah. Um, my mum my is very open. She's, she's, very, she's very open to new ideas and she's – Great lady. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. wonderful. I talk to mum about all kinds of weird, wacky stuff and she's, she's always – You even have conversations with your mum about mushrooms. Is yeah. that right? Magic yeah. mushrooms? Yeah. She's Isn't she's she's cool and she listens. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't pass judgment before yeah. she's heard the information. You know, I really want to talk about mushrooms with you, and I feel mm. like this is my opportunity to do mm. so. Maybe we'll touch back on the acting soon. But you know, you're you obviously are an actor, but you're so much more than an actor. So let's explore a little bit more about the furs. Sure. Now, you do talk a lot about psychedelics on the podcast, mm. and. Well, it's actually a good segue from what we were just talking about because they are kind of the epitome of something that is buried in society. Totally. That mm. is very intriguing. Mm. So no wonder I was yes. – uh, no wonder they found me or totally, I found yeah. them because it's – Well, and I guess my, 
a lot of people probably think that you still take mushrooms or, or, or psychedelics, but you don't. No. At all. And which is very interesting because you're a big ambassador for the, mm. for the psychedelic experience. And it, I think it's really important. I mean, obviously I've had some wonderful experiences with psilocybin and ayahuasca, but you haven't. So mm. let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I think... Well, you've had some good experiences, but then it ended not great. So we'll yeah. talk about yeah, yeah. your journey. So I think that the thing that is very important for people to understand about psychedelics is they're not in the same – they're not drugs. You can't put them in the same category as drugs because drugs you get addicted to. Mm. That's the, the main thing that people think. You know, cocaine, meth, heroin, you get a physical dependence upon these drugs. Mm. Psychedelics, it just doesn't happen. It's a, it's, a, it's a teacher. The experience that there's a reason why most people don't do them because they're scared. Mm. Why are they scared? Because they're not fun. Sometimes they're the best experience you can ever have. Sometimes they're the worst experience you can ever have. But they're not like, you know, do a bump of cocaine and now I feel good and I've got some unearned pleasure and then it wears off and I'll do another bump. You know, Mm. it's not like that. I guess too some people would do – so like for me growing up in my teenage years I'd heard about people doing mushrooms in in my early 20s and they would take them at a party while drinking. So I don't know – that experience, again, is very different too. I don't know how fun that would be, but you wouldn't mm. – I don't know if you'd really experience the lessons that would come along because you'd be altered by the alcohol and you'd yeah. be in that group setting. And uh, so if you really treat it as – I mean, they, they call it plant medicine because it is medicine, it's a teacher, but you have to respect it and be somewhere where you can absorb the teachings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. If you're not, If you're not in a – metaphorical classroom mm. you're not interested in learning if mm. you're having if you're trying to party and, and being around strangers and drinking alcohol you're not interested in learning and it's more often than not going to turn bad and that's mm. where these horror stories come from but that also is happening because they're illegal mm. because there's they're so taboo that doesn't stop people doing them they just do them in yeah. the wrong environment and isn't it it's just so crazy that they are illegal it's a freaking plant yeah yeah it it just grow- and, and you don't even it's not, you don't even have to synthesize it. Mm. It's not like like ayahuasca you have to make, but like mushrooms and cannabis, they just grow. Mm. You do nothing, and you can stumble across the the plant or the fungus, and if you eat it or smoke it or you know have the experience, you it, it or ingest it. Sorry, you mm. have a complete paradigm shifting experience. Mm. It's not a synthesized product. You don't have to, you know, do a bit of hocus pocus and yeah, anything. It is, it is yeah. it's exactly like basil, mm. except it's a very different experience than basil. <laughs> I mean, basil can be wonderful. Basil is a true delight. Mm. Mushrooms Fresh can be delightful. Can be delightful. But my word, yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah. The last, the last trip. So I had. <laughs> it's a book. Yeah. You need to write a book about it. The last. I guess trip. what happened was I had. I've probably really only had. Five or six trips on mushrooms? Yeah, I, I, would, I would say. Yeah, five maybe. Five. And the thing with mushrooms is they're very forgiving for beginners. And the first experience just really cracked me open and kind of I was like, wow. I, I, I became self-aware. Mm. I became aware of my, my own life and my existence and 
my own humanness and, and the fact that I get to be alive and I get to feel love and, and sadness and anger and I get to see a sunset. And, yeah, and you do really get connected with our planet, don't yeah. you? Earth, the nature around you and it's... It's like you see it for the first time and then Absolutely. you can never unsee it. It's yeah. really be- like even now it's just carried for me. It's gosh, you, you oh. notice a, a beautiful tree everywhere we go. Oh, I just love yeah, mm. my real tree hugger. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Me too. Yeah. And it, and it's and so that that experience in itself is just overwhelming gratitude for the gift of being alive in my own consciousness. Mm. Which is a very hard thing to fathom and explain. Mm. But that's what I felt. And um, then had a, f- and you know, it's always profound the experiences, always. And then, eventually, we had there was one experience where we were both on mushrooms. We were having a disagreement about something, mm. and you misinterpreted what I was saying. And because we were, you know, tripping, I couldn't really explain to you what I meant, and I just kind of shut down. Like physically like shut Like physically down. shut down. Like yeah. I thought I was going to pass out. I started to feel really sick and I was like, oh, babe, I can't, I can't have this conversation anymore. And I kind of almost fell over and you got up and left the room and then um, I thought I was going to pass out. I was like crawling along the ground and I was like, oof. <sighs> and, I, and, I, and I genuinely thought I was going to lose consciousness. And then I didn't. And then I crawled down the hallway and you came out and were like, what are you doing? You're freaking me I mean, out. Oh, God, this is just bringing back all these. Yeah. Is this weird that we're sharing this on the podcast? No. No, you sure? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just feel weird now. You brought it up. I know. <laughs> but I didn't. I just want to know. Oh, what should I was, we just stop then? No, I, just, I guess it's just, I don't know. It's probably more for me. It's just like taking me back there a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> taking you back there. Jeez, I'm, I feel like I'm about to pass out again. Anyway. So I, I was having a very bad experience mm. and um, basically what happened was I felt like I was – like I, I just got – I just was felt so sick. I felt emotionally sick mm. and I was on the toilet and I was like – had diarrhoea and I was vomiting, like violently vomiting. You were laughing. Oh, my God. I'm so – guys, this was just – it was the noises and I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. I was in the other room <laughs> Like how horrible am I? But it wasn't. I just couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind the setting we were at. We were in our apartment. Yeah. We had nice music on. We had pillows around. You know, it was perfectly comfortable. I didn't know what was going on. Mm. I didn't fully understand. And at one point, you thought I was calling an ambulance, but I was just in the other room, holding my mouth shut, trying not to laugh at you. Yes. Yes. (gasps) And I remember thinking, wow, it's good that she's laughing because I mean, she doesn't know how bad I feel. She yeah. doesn't know what's going on with me. Fucking hell, this is and terrible. I just remember feeling like I was purging my dad's pain. Mm. I didn't know what it I didn't I didn't I didn't have any specifics, but I felt like I was my dad and I was purging his trauma and his pain. We've all got trauma in our life and it was just coming out of me. Mm. And that was a really it was quite a traumatic experience for me. Um, and that stayed with me for a while. And then oh, actually and then so I was, you know, I was pretty out of it for a couple of days and I was just like, well, that was heavy. Uh, eventually what, what happened, I ended up, we, had, we got in the shower and then we went to bed and, you know, eventually got to sleep and mm. and I was just like, wow, that was, 
I do remember doing research to see if you could die from mushrooms yes. while on mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> trying to like, operate a phone. I was like, I'm pretty certain you're good, babe. Yeah. I, I think you're going to live. Well, no, you can't. You actually can't. <laughs> the, the, the physical amount of magic mushrooms you'd need to eat to die from is like <laughs> something like 30 kilos or something yeah. ridiculous. Mm. Like you wouldn't be able to ingest it. Um, so that, yeah, that, that stayed with me and then I thought, okay, I need to go back in again and to have a good cleanse, experience yeah. and kind of come out of it and then I can just let it go um, and see if I can figure out what all that meant. And um, we made a mistake by going somewhere we'd never been. We went to this park and mm. uh, it was an unfamiliar environment and I had another really, really bad experience. That was mm. up there with one of the... Worst experiences in my life too, mm. to be in a setting and ha- having to look after you and, oh, God. See, and this is the yeah. thing. I just said, you know, oh, they shouldn't be illegal. They shouldn't be illegal but you need to be smart about it. Like that was a stupid move on our part to yeah. go and do that. Like, but again, because they're illegal, there's no information. Yeah, you have true. to. It's cowboy country. You have to figure it out yourself. Yeah, that's true. Whereas there's no regulation, there's no rules, mm. there's no... There's I no guess, tips. Well, I guess well, here, there are, but, they're we all, can, you know. but even here, like if it's something that you're curious about, do a lot of homework and make sure you are somewhere where you feel safe and you have, you know, someone around that can be there for you or, or you know, don't, it's just, yeah, don't just do it just because, oh, you know, you get yeah. curious but do some research too. You have to have the right mindset. You have yeah. to be prepared to go into this thing. Mm. So, yeah, that second experience was also horrible. Mm. It was really dark. It was kind of, how do I explain it? It was just frightening. Was well, terrifying. you said to me you, you got the very clear message that you're not welcome here anymore. Yes. Yes. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It felt like I was. This isn't for you. You've kind yeah. of, you've taken what you've needed. You've, mm. you've learned and it's just not for you. Yeah. Stop coming here. Mm. This is not a place for me to be. So, you know, that kind of stayed with me for, for a while. A few months after that, I was yeah, I was pretty were. like, ugh. Yeah. It was just it, w- it was a bit of PTSD. Yeah, and it's a real thing. People have psychedelic induced PTSD. Mm. Um, it's not like I had a huge dose. I had a small dose, mm. but it was enough to mess with me. I also know now that I have a, an overactive vagus nerve, which I'm trying to find out more about. Which is basically, I get car sick very easily. I get sick from needles, sick from blood and gore. You know, if anyone listened to my podcast with Hoppo, mm. I explained how queasy I get from that kind of thing. And that's a vagus nerve response and I know that, that psilocybin mushrooms can trigger that. Mm. So, so it's just very high. Everything was just turned up. Yeah. And if you're having a physically bad experience, of course, it's more likely you're going to have an emotionally bad mm. experience. But the moral of the story, there is a, there is a benefit to all this. A couple of years later, I remember talking to my dad about it, who also is a wonderful open man. He is a wonderful he's, man. He's, he's an incredible role model and I felt like I could talk to him about this. So I told him about my experience and he kind of sat there and, and I told him how I felt like I was purging his pain and he listened and he went, hmm. He said, when was this? And I said, oh, it was about two years ago now. It was a few years ago now, even beyond that. But he, at the time I said it was about two years ago and he was like, huh. That's interesting. I said, why is that interesting? And he said, well, maybe that's why about two years ago I started feeling a whole lot better about my life. (sighs) Wow. So that was a real goosebump moment. And, like, this is your dad who is not interested in psychedelics, isn't really into 
the hippie woo-woo stuff that we're into. No. So that is, that's incredible. Yeah, that was, and we, you know, we, we shed a tear together and we really shared some stories about, mm. about things. Dad told me some stuff that he's never told me and we, you know, we shared some, it was a beautiful mm. bonding experience. And I realised that that ex- horrible, horribly dark experience that I went through had a purpose. Totally. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. I don't know where I went. I don't know what, we can't measure it with science, but something happened there that helped my dad deal mm. with some of his stuff mm. and I was the vessel mm. that it came through. Um, and that sounds so woo-woo. It does. But Do you know what, though? I've actually been, this has just reminded me of something, I've been listening to some podcasts and they talk about ancestral trauma yeah, and how it can actually be passed down. They did a study where they had a pregnant woman, she was in her third trimester, and they had a couple that was in the room and it was I think they were Italian and they were having an, an, a very heated argument in Italian, so a different language, not that the fetus could, you know, understand any language at that point, but they could measure the, the stress response in the baby. So this was happening outside of the mother and the baby was having stress responses. Wow. So that would carry with that child after being born, you know, the, obviously the the stress response in itself, the the cortisol levels rise and whatnot, but it it, it Even does on the DNA level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's things that we do that is passed on to us, and then I suppose even more so when we're children absolutely. and what we absorb from our our parents and and their parents. Yeah. So it's you know it's uh, it's not surprising that you you were purging something from your dad because he was your father and he was you're close to him and. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what you would have picked up from him growing up, but it was obviously that was in you. Yeah, you guys are connected. Yeah, energetically. He created me. Yeah, and so, so maybe it was it was a DNA thing. It, mm. it might not have even been his trauma. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It could have been his great grandfather's, and it's just something that was in in the bloodline. Yeah. We don't we don't know anything about yeah. this stuff. There's I no feel, scientific yeah. data, so everyone it's totally. very easy to go. Oh, it's bullshit. Yeah, I feel so stupid. Even I don't even know what I'm really talking but about. You've got to but talk there's, about it. but there's something. Yeah, we just there's we just don't understand. Yeah, energy. We don't. We don't have no idea. Mm. We have no idea, and that's why it is so intriguing to me. This stuff. Mm. Now to come full circle about that, and about my feeling about psychedelics. The mm. reason that I talk about them, you would think after that experience that I just totally. described, that it would be, why on earth would I be talking about them? Mm. Now, I haven't gone into depth about the positive experiences from psychedelics, but what I can say is that I would not trade the experiences that I've had. Mm. The positives that I have gotten from psychedelics far outweigh the the horrendous negative experience. Mm. It has been so profoundly life-changing for me and eye-opening that I believe in them wholeheartedly and that's why I talk about them despite that yeah. horrific experience that I had. Wow. And – and I believe that the more understanding we have of these substances, the more ability we will have to control these negative experiences that people have. Mm. It doesn't mean they're not going to happen. But it, one thing that, that they've really taught me and that I've learned in my life is that, that pain equals growth. And it's all good and well to try and avoid pain at all costs. but Which we do a lot. Which we do a lot. <laughs> yeah. But psychedelics, you can't, they will teach you things that you have to learn Mm. and you will learn them because it's painful. And I guess if you're doing it in the right setting, you're open to the lessons. So even if they are bad, they 
it's the lesson that you need at that time in your life. And yes. yeah, you can't you can't run and hide from it. You have to face it. Yep. Exactly. And right. I mean your story I've never heard a story like yours. I really because I I love psychedelics. I haven't done any for a very long time, but for me they've been incredibly life changing and they've really allowed me to connect with who I am and who I want to be. Mm. So I yeah, I just I just haven't so yeah, my I've never had a bad experience. I've had moments, but I've never had an experience or heard of an experience like yours. It's quite unique. So um, I, I hope that doesn't put people off, but I, but also it hopefully makes people take it seriously well, and respect that, it. You it's, know? it's the most serious thing that I've ever experienced mm. and, and, and in a positive way and in, and in a negative way. Mm. It is, it, it's, it's paradigm shifting. Mm. It changes your perception of, of reality and not like, oh, well, he's turned crazy now. It, it, you, you learn, you understand mm. more, you become more conscious and you don't, and it's yeah, he's become crazy now, but it's you kind of don't even care because it's like you've grown past that small minded bullshit, exactly. too. You know, when you when you see and when you not when you see, but when you learn the things and you do see things, <laughs> um, yeah, you just outgrow the small minded stuff that yes. used to bother you or the, or the judgmental behaviors that maybe used to have it towards other people. You're just those things just don't really matter. Well, one of the ones that was was actually seems so simple, but was actually quite profound in my first mushroom trip was we were sitting on a hill and it was a bit dirty and I was getting dirt on my shoes and I was getting quite stressed out about mm. it and I, and I was shuffling and trying to find a way that I could sit that wasn't going to get mud on my shoes and I was getting really annoyed. Mm. And then I realised, well, what's the problem? Just wash your shoes mm. when you get home. So they're going to be dirty now, they're going to be real muddy. And then when you get home, you can wash your shoes, man. <laughs> and so that simple. seems so simple mm. and so stupid. But that lesson I was able to apply to so many aspects of my life. Mm. Like that was a true epiphany. And to describe it sounds just really dumb. <laughs> but when you get it, when you yeah. get that and you can go, oh, there's – I had been feeling that way about lots of things in my life. And I was able to really understand the essence of that lesson and mm. put that into practice in other things in my life. And a psychedelic experience done in the right way is full of about 50 of mm. those things that you can genuinely put into all aspects of your life. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'll advocate for them till, till the day I die. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. Thanks for asking. I think it's important to be transparent about these things. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, I guess we started this podcast talking about favorite colors and home and away and yeah. but you're, you know, you're you're a deep guy and you've got a lot of you've got a lot to share with everyone and I think we can all learn a lot from even just that experience. You know, that mm. sounds very traumatic, but you know that, that mushrooms are or or psychedelics can be a very powerful tool to connect you to your higher self and mm. and I love that you talk about it to share the message with people so thank you oh thanks yeah. well I like that you talk about it too there was something I wanted to say about where I'm at with them now mm. I know that I they will probably call me again mm -hmm. in my life 
And that again sounds real hippie, <laughs> but it's just the way it is. People get called to travel. That's something that maybe if you are sceptical of what I'm saying, you can understand. You might get the travel bug. You get called to go somewhere. You get called to like go to the gym, start looking get, after your body. We get called to do everything. Calling. Exactly. Your and intuition. Was, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I and, and I believe that they they may call me again at some point. But mm. at this point in my life, I am integrating the lessons that I learned Uh and I'm still figuring that out. And I am, I am very interested in um, microdosing, which I've done a bit of. Oh, can you talk? What, so so microdosing yeah. is when you take a sub-perceptual dose. So basically you take so little that you don't know you've taken it. Mm. So let's say a dose of a, a psychedelic dose for me of magic mushrooms would be two grams mm-hmm. of dried mushrooms. I would take 0.2 and even then sometimes you might feel it a little bit and then that's too much. Mm. So basically what it does is when you get the dosage right, you don't you take it and you forget about it, but then you realize at the end of the day, wow, I've had a really good day. I've been I've been in the zone, I've been focused, I've been engaged with people. Mm. I've been open, I've been positive actually, and I've had energy. They're doing that don't um, some of the tech guys in Silicon Valley microdose. Tons of them. See, this is the thing. I think people think there's just a bunch of hippies running around in the forest just, mm. you know, chugging back mushrooms. But mm. this is there's been a lot of research in microdosing and depression, is that right? Well Correct. not yep. I, I know there's articles online of people that have anxiety and depression. Yeah, PTSD, the, yep. yeah, the in Silicon Valley it's a bit of a craze at the moment well, it can help you be more open and help you be more creative mm. it's very common for people to get creative benefits i get creative benefits from it i'm able to sit and be in that flow state mm. easier and for longer mm. it's kind of almost like a real life version of that limitless pill obviously wow. you know yeah. limitless pills is, is a movie version it's very silly very over the top but if there were something that could help you be your best self mm. it could be microdosing. and it's, i mean yeah i guess you just look at it like you would it's like a supplement, you know, you get these capsules with ground up exactly. herbs and, you know, it's so normal to take anti-anxiety tablets and anti-depression pills, but to microdose on mushrooms seems so ridiculous or well, yeah, you're, you're right. a crazy person. It's just a mushroom. And it's, and, and it's shifting the stigma mm. is I hope what we're doing right yeah, now by sharing yeah. openly our, our real experiences mm. because there's so much bullshit and people want to make pass judgment about it and, and they want to believe what they've been told, mm. which again is something that I've never done. It would, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get to a point, like obviously in California with, and, or just in the States in general with, uh, with marijuana, with, with the, the medicinal marijuana where you had to get the certificate and it was all very controlled. Wouldn't it be cool if they did that with mushrooms one at some point in, I believe in they the will. near future? I think that would be amazing. And you could go to a, like a clinic where they do a little ceremony you know, or maybe it's like a therapy yeah. type session. I heard a very controlled setting. It would be that's how you want to do it. Absolutely, mm. with with a therapist, yeah. with someone who you can. I, I would, if if you want to check it out, Tim Ferriss recently did a podcast, and I'll link it. We can link it. You'll link it because you're the host. <laughs> I'll you'll link, link it, it guys. in the. Um, and it was a panel of people talking about psychedelics, and one of the the women the women on the panel suggested the ideal situation would be like a psychedelic spa. So oh, like yeah. a like a like um. You go and to a facility, that's where that would be somewhere that you can be administered the medicine. There's people who can talk you through the experience. You're in a safe and comfortable environment. There's people who can – there are things, there are substances you can take to 
calm down or, or, or speed up and get rid of the trip as well. Mm. But again, these things aren't explored. No one knows this when you're mm. doing it at a party because it's all illegal. But that would be the ideal situation, the psychedelic mm. spa. Hopefully one day mm. in the near future. Well, the other problem is that, and I think I've said this before, but the, the main thing, one of the things that I very first learned on mushrooms after doing it was, oh, this is why they're illegal mm. because I now understand the system of what we're living in sure. better. And you re- want to remove yourself from it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of just see through the bullshit a bit more. Mm. Um, did you have that kind of experience? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good, it's not just me. No, absolutely. The things I know. I actually, uh, there was one time where I couldn't stop saying that. I just was having all these major downloads. Yeah. I knew. I'm actually writing a film. Oh, yes. I'm let's actually let's, let's move on from mushrooms um, and talk about you as a writer. I'm writing movies. And, yeah, so you, you've written one movie, which is. Written two. Sorry. Well, yeah. you've written. Oh, you've written two. Oh, yeah. I'm such a bad wife. <laughs> you've written two. Now, you're writing a third script. Yeah. Which is called the. Hero- well, at this point, the working title is The Heroic Dose. Heroic Dose. dose. Don't give too much away, babe. It's a very good concept. Well, the, the, I haven't figured out the logline. When the logline is basically when you're on Netflix and you read the two-line mm. thing about the movie, but the logline would be something along the lines of an arrogant man accidentally takes a heroic dose of magic mushrooms at a wedding and wanders into the forest for a life-changing experience. <laughs> so that... <laughs> So intrigued. <laughs> so, so I'm in. Good. I'm in the planning phase, yeah. and that's that's a great way to get the message out there to the world too. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to to making that and mm. portraying this guy. This again, alpha male douchebag guy. Yeah, who you'll play? Who I'll play? Well, who knows what'll happen to him? The rest mm. is a mystery. Mm. Let's talk about you and writing though, because Mark is. Uh, one of the most creative people I've ever met to the point where it can get annoying because <laughs> he's like, he's like, babe, I've got an idea for a short film. Babe, I've got an idea. Babe, I've got a band idea name. Sorry, a band name idea. Oh, I've got uh, an idea for a web series. Oh, it's just so many ideas. I've never met someone who has just, has, it's like you've just got creativity like just flowing through your veins. You do. It's amazing. Just try being in this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very hard to get yeah. anything done. I, I just like that, it, you know, because obviously you're an actor, but there's, again, coming back to there's just so much more to you and the creative side just pairs so beautifully with that, I guess, that world acting. And um, so mm. now you can write, you're writing movies, which is, well, scripts for, for, to become movies, which is really exciting. Mm. So how, like what made you start writing is it just because you wanted to expand on these ideas or you just were bored (laughs) both yeah yes I want to tell stories that I believe will have an effect on people's lives Mm. and again you know I learned this from kind of being a little bit famous and I guess initially I thought that that's what I wanted was to be famous because it's who I mean who doesn't want to be adored by people Mm. And then when I got a bit of that, I realised maybe that's not quite hitting the spot. And then I thought, oh, I just want to—I want to be an actor and, and and portray characters, which is still the case. But sometimes it's 
there are characters that come up that they just seem like a bit of a distraction. Mm. And there are there are stories and lessons in life that I've learned that I think might be thought provoking for others. So the writing is something where I've realized, you know, what would be really fulfilling is for me to actually get one of these crazy random ideas that just bounce around my melon <laughs> and see it through to the other side. I, I can't think of anything more fulfilling than to have written a script, written a story and make the film, be in the film and have people see it and hear their feedback. Mm. I don't care about the scale or any of that stuff. But to be able to tell a story that is meaningful to me, that I believe other people will find meaningful, I think that, I think that I've found what's really going to be the f- most fulfilling thing. Totally. That's living your dream, isn't it? Mm. If you can be doing the acting being on the creative side and it to have the mes- underlying message to, yeah, the thought-provoking message. Mm. Yes. Mission accomplished. Yeah, well, what you know, great... I'm still, yeah, I'm still working on getting these things made. But the, You will, the you writing, will though. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I, I, it's, it could, it'll take a while but I'm, I'm, I'm determined to do it. Totally. Because it just feels right. Mm. Yeah, so that's really, that's the, just the process of writing them, mm. writing these stories is, is very fulfilling in itself. You see, I, I just couldn't, I don't even like to read a book, you know. Oh, man, it, it's, it's so such a long and, process. sit there and write a whole movie, it just seems. And it's constant oh. problem solving. It's quite stressful because mm. there are things that, you know, you, you, you run into stumbling blocks and figure out, well, what happens now? That, well, what I just did won't work because now we're at this point. Mm. So I have to change all of that on and then you figure something else out to make sense and you have to, you have, to have a reason for people to be doing things. Um, and, you, are, you know, you want people to be invested in these characters. Mm. You want people to see themselves in these characters, even the flawed character. I mean, everyone's flawed, but even the most flawed characters, that's if, they, if you can't see yourself in a character, then, then what's the point? Mm. It's, you may as well be watching an alien species. Like it's you want to be able to resonate with these, these, these beings that you're seeing going through their life. Mm. And that's a difficult thing to get right. So it really is a... A labour of love. There's so much that goes on, like, you know, as, as someone who isn't an actor in that world and I, look, I love movies, you just don't think about what has gone on behind the scenes and from the, you know, from the very first word that's written in the script to every character you're so invested in and trying to create a character that people will relate to. And so when you see a, a really great film, it's like, oh, that was a fucking great film. But it's what went on behind the scenes is just mm. so. The journey is. Oh my so gosh, long. you just don't think about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think about it. You would because you're well, always. Well, I do now. You're always. If you watch a movie with Mark <laughs> or other actors or writers, it's very. It's a very different experience because they're over analyzing everything. Mm. <laughs> it can be a little bit frustrating. It's hard not to be analytical. <laughs> well, I think I think the the sign of a great film is when you aren't analyzing it. But you'll even stop movies and be like, okay, well. That whole thing. <laughs> no, no, you don't all the time, but it's got, since you yeah. started writing movies, it's definitely gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard because I watch a movie and I go, oh, man, I know. I feel like if mm. I just did this, it would be so much better. Well, a little tweak. Going back to our little quiz earlier on. Yes. Favorite movie? Ah, I can't tell you one, but I can tell you. You can give me two The Matrix, Fight Club. Oh, okay. I knew that. And that, and that, okay, that no, completely makes sense. Do you want to say why? 
I know. Well, if anyone's seen either of these films, and if you haven't, then I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) But they are both stories of, I guess, someone who I see myself as the lead character, someone who is questioning reality. Mm. And they're really very profound movies. Totally. And I guess that's why they resonate with me so much. Mm. They really, I mean, I rewatch both of those films probably every year and I get just as much out of them every time. We're probably due to watch Fight Club, actually. Yeah, let's watch Fight Club. Should we watch it tonight? I'd love to. Yeah. Awesome. So it's been a real treat chatting with you. Oh, (laughs) thanks for chatting. I want to know what your hopes are for the podcast because this is obviously the only opportunity where the spotlight is on you Mm. uh, and I just want to know why you're doing this and, yeah, what your hopes are with your podcast journey. That's a good question. I want, on, the, on the selfish side, I really get a lot out of having a conversation like this. Mm. It's just really, it's, it's very, it's soul food. Mm. I feel better about myself and, 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 and about the other person. I feel it's a bonding experience. It's I, I learn about myself by hearing about another person's life, mm. especially if we can be really honest and talk about our shortcomings and our fears and these, these kinds of things and really just cut through the shit. So on a selfish level, personal level, there's that. Mm. Also, that doesn't happen so much these days because people don't talk to each other very mm. much. There's, there are so many distractions. Yeah, that's true. And, and you notice that every podcast – that I listen to and that I do, they get deeper and deeper as it goes on because you get more and more comfortable in the conversation. You relax into it. Mm. Whereas if you're only talking to someone for 10, 15 minutes at a time and then they've got to go to work or they've got to check their phone or, you know, Mm. whatever it might be, there's only a certain depth you can get to. You're only paddling around the surface. I want to know what's down down in the deep Mm. (laughs) with all the deep sea monsters, Mm. see what's in there that no one's ever seen, you know. And... On a level of service, I think it's a healthy way to share ideas and get people thinking about things they may not be thinking about. Not to be too doom and gloom, but I think that the human race is running into some trouble. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to see that. And I believe that there needs to be a shift in the collective consciousness if we are going to make it out of this thing alive. And the only way for that to happen is for people to share ideas, their darkest secrets, for people to be honest, for people to talk about woo-woo spiritual things, for people to talk about science, for people to talk about hard facts. Mm. Uh, you just, we just have to talk. We just have to figure this thing out mm-hmm. and just kind of try and get on the same page and understanding that things are not what they seem. So that's... That's the bigger picture. I want, I want to try and do my part to help us get to a more positive place in the world where we are kind of living in symbiosis with each other and with the earth than, you know, just taking from it mm. and just using it up. So I feel like sharing ideas and having a few laughs and being your authentic self is the way to do that. Mm. So that's, that's what I'm working on with the body. Isn't he just a dream boat? <laughs> Honestly, I'm just like staring at you. Just like, just the, I've just got the look of love in my eyes for you. It's just so wonderful that you just, 
this takes a lot of time and effort for you to do and you're not getting paid. You're just doing it for the love of sharing the message and I just think that's really wonderful and we're all very lucky and blessed to have you in our lives and to be creating this content. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. You've had a successful career with acting, so we didn't really finish the story, but you went to LA, you booked some films, did some bits and pieces. We've come back. You're still... You're well, still I met you in the middle there. You did. Congratulations. Um, you're still acting, but I feel like your heart is more into the music than the acting. You fucking love music. I do love music. You even play... I, I, I noticed you yesterday at the gym playing the eardrums when you're in between your sets on the lap pull-down. Yeah. Like, you had no shame. Nah. You were going for it. You were, like, doing a solo in, like, a stadium show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a perfect time to be doing it is in your break and when you're doing lap pull-downs. Totally. You know, when you're, when, you're, when you're pumping iron, you know, when you're just busting out 180 kilos for five <laughs> sets of 50 reps. Got to go on for that drum solo, Got to go for a drum solo in the mm. middle, middle just to kind of relax. <laughs> But you, I was listening to She Had as well. You'll be pleased, New oh, Zealand. I don't know if I like She Had. It's all right. I like Black Sabbath though. Oh, so good. I do like some. I think I'm going to go through another Black Sabbath phase now. Do it, babe. I enjoy it. I, love I don't. Sabbath. I don't like a lot of the music you listen to, but do you like the sludgy stuff? You like, like Alice in Chains? You I, like Black Sabbath? You I, like the? I like Foreigner. You like Foreigner? Yeah, you like. It's the fast stuff you don't like. Yeah, the real thrashy stuff. Mm, mm. It's just stressful. Not really into the big four. No. The big four is Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth and Metallica. Oh, I've trained her well. <laughs> That's how you know you want a good one. Oh, I used to forget Metallica, but thank you. But music, yeah, share, share a little bit about your love of music. Well, that's how I met you. In yeah. a, in, in, I was in a band. Yeah, that's right. Called Shotgun Alley. If you guys are curious, <clears throat> we were in a um, music video together. That's how we met. And our, we, we <laughs> there was a lot of kissing involved, wasn't there? Jeez. I was told there was going to be one kiss, but there was definitely more than one kiss. There was a lot. There was a lot. <clears throat> That's why you got picked. Because <laughs> well, you're a hottie. Thank you. Thanks. Turns out there's a little bit between the ears too. Yeah. I'm a real life Yoko Bono. <laughs> The band broke up, but we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. It's a touchy subject. But um, <laughs> if you had to choose between acting and music, which one would you choose? I don't have to. Do I? Let's say you had to choose. Well, the thing <laughs> is that they're very they're both performances, mm. but they're, they're very different in the sense that with music, I, I do acoustic. That's how I've been earning money. Mm. I do acoustic gigs. I do, you know, two to three a week, three in a good week. And I sit in front of a pub of people and I play acoustic covers. Mm. To, yeah, it's your job essentially. Sometimes nobody yeah. listens. Sometimes the entire pub jumps up and down singing and screaming and mm. clapping and wanting more. But even if there's one one dude in the corner who's, you know, watching and clapping and engaged, that's, that's a really fulfilling experience. Mm. So that – and it kind of almost hits the same spot as having everybody do it. I mean, yeah, it's a real rush when everybody's pumped, but it's sharing music with someone who wants to listen and sing and it's a it's a vibrational thing, you know, it moves you. Mm. So I don't know if I have to they're, – they're so different. I don't know if I can, if I can pick. You don't have a favourite. Well, no. That's, that's okay though. You don't have to have a favourite. Mm. 
But I guess that's kind of my, might have been part of my downfall because I've put my eggs in too many baskets. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if I just knuckled down on one, one yeah. or the other, sure. it would be, I'd be conquering the world. But I don't need to conquer the world. I'm, I'm a really happy guy. Totally. I love my life. You're, you're, I'm glad you love your life. Yeah. That's a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's like having, you know, we've got two dogs. We don't have a favourite. Well, I do. Well, actually, I do too. (laughs) That was a really bad example. No, I'm kidding. I don't actually know. Say your your favourite on the count of three. One, two, three. (laughs) Roger. Perfect. It's equal then. It's equal. Okay. So what's going to – are we going to hear any any more music? Because I feel like you're in your room making music a lot and you play these gigs, but what about – are you going to release some music? Because we've really got – I guess in this day and age, you don't need to be having a record deal or anything. You can just – you can just release the music as you online, just as you want. So mm-hmm. where's your music at? Just since coming back to Australia, I've felt really motivated and pumped to be creative musically again. So I'm putting a band together and writing songs. And awesome. I really miss doing that. You know, I had such a great time in Shotgun Alley. Mm. What's just that? finding the right guys, to be yeah. honest. Like, I, I, like the solo artist thing, I think I, I always crave being in a band. I love listening to bands. I love the dynamic of bands. I love the collaborative aspect of bands. It's that's my favorite music yeah. and I and I really I would prefer to be doing it with some people that I click with. That totally. collaborative effort yeah. is what I'm in is what I'm into. So that's probably why I haven't because I haven't found the right the right guys who are on the same page. What's yeah. the genre? Well, it's rock. Mm. It's kind of like Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, Black Sabbath. Yeah. Not thrashy though. No, no, no. It's no. funky. It's, f- it's, it's groovy. Mm. It's got some filth. It's <laughs> a bit of stank. A <laughs> stank. Yeah. Love it. And, and the most recent songs I've written are about psychedelics. Oh, love it. Not all of them, but, yeah. you know, a couple of them. So I, I reckon that you need to put some stuff online. All right. Deal. And we actually have a little project that we, we do. Um, we do. Yeah. So Mark, myself and our wonderful friend Jimmy who's on I think podcast number three we have a little I mean I wouldn't call it a band it's just a project really it's Mm. called Etheria Mm. we've got some beautiful music we'll put that online too yeah all right guys this is really getting us excited just we're just going to put our music out there yeah who cares just just put it out there yeah that's what's the whole what's the point of making this beautiful music and having it just sit in a file on your your computer you're totally right yeah so hopefully this has, you know, inspired you to release some of your tra- your trains, your tracks. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have to now. It's yeah. out there to the world. I have to. I have yeah. to follow through. Totally. I'm forcing yeah. you. So. All right. Well, it's been it's been a lovely chat. I think we should wrap things up. Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. What you, what I what what you say is? Should we wrap it up, mate? Should we wrap it up, mate? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else? No, I get, you know I guess I I just. Love that I had the opportunity to, yeah, put the spotlight on you and for the listeners to hear a little bit more about you and your life because I guess we only, apart from your friends, close friends, we see just one side of you on, say, Instagram, your funny photos. You're a very funny guy, but you're a very deep guy, very thought thoughtful guy and you, you're very curious and I just love that we could dive into your mind a little bit more here so thank you for letting me take the mic (laughs) maybe you need to do your own podcast because I think you did pretty well oh thank you (laughs) 
I think you did very well. Thank you. Well, if anyone wants to stalk me on Instagram, mm. <laughs> you can. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, you can find me at Laurel Furs, and we can. Where can we stalk you? At the Mark Furs. I like in your intros. You're like at the Mark Furs. Well, see, because I've said it before <laughs> to people. I go the, and they. Oh no, I say the, and they think that I'm saying the, the oh, letter V. At the Mark. How do you say it? Well, no, I guess I just say the. The? At the Mark Furs. <laughs> at the Mark Furs. Okay. I would have done just Mark Furs, but Every, we're some, just, we're someone's just bra- taking it. <laughs> we're just bra- Who would take, is it someone who's being you? No. Oh, yeah, I think they're trying to pretend <sighs> to be me. Or they want me to pay them a whole bunch of money to get my own oh. domain name. Keep the Mark Furs. We're just secretly brainwashing everyone. Go and follow at the Mark Furs. We've said it about 18 times. You know what I do love? I love our neighbours, John and Jackie. Yeah. Because John listens to the podcast and it's mm. really nice to have obviously feedback online, but to get it in person, we see John, he's like, oh, listen to the latest podcast yeah. and it's just really cool. So it's great. Getting it's awesome. feedback's great but, and getting it in person is even better. So thanks, John. Yeah. Cool. These dogs thanks. are really. It's getting, dinner time, isn't yeah, it? Well, I could talk to you all day. Well, you do. It's true. We hang out a lot, don't we? We do. Mark and I have been together for almost nine years. And um, still not sick of each other. Oh, I really like you. I know. <laughs> and I enjoy spending time with you. <laughs> Don't you love that? She does that to me all the time. I go, I love you, babe. And she goes, oh, I enjoy spending time with you. <laughs> I actually think you st- that was yours. I stole yeah, it. Yeah, you stole it. Mm. All right. I think we should wrap it up. Okay. Yeah? Keep doing what you're doing, babe. Hey, likewise. Really enjoying, really enjoying it. Thanks. And I really like your bluey green eyes. Shut up. Mark has green eyes, but sometimes they look blue and he gets really upset. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I love you. I love you too. Deep and meaningfuls with the frosés. Well, she did really well, I think. She stuck to the script and said all the lovely things about me that I told her to say. Uh, Can't ask for any more than that. That was fun. Thanks for sticking around this far. I won't make this outro too long. You've heard probably quite enough from me for one podcast. Just a couple of quick little finishing notes. After hearing myself retell that story about the time I got in a fight, well, I didn't really get in a fight. A couple of guys tried to fight me and ended up beating up two of my mates. But thinking back on that, I really wish I'd done something. It's a funny thing, hindsight. But, yeah, I really wish I'd done something. But then again, that guy obviously knew how to fight. I don't. And he had three or four of his mates with him, so we were outnumbered. So it probably would have ended it far worse than it did. And uh, I, I, I froze. I got scared. It's, uh, it was a confronting situation and I didn't know what to do. It's an odd thing thinking back on intense scenarios like that, but sorry, boys. Wish I'd helped you out more. One other thing I wanted to just mention on talking about psychedelics I do not want to come across as irresponsible with this because I can't stress enough how immense the experience can be. Also, keep in mind, they are illegal in Australia. That status is changing around the world. Uh, Slowly but surely, things are happening on that front, which is exciting. I know that in the Netherlands, they are decriminalised, I believe. But at this point in time in Australia, they are illegal. I wanted to tell you about a couple of resources that I found incredibly helpful and informative. There's one called MAPS, 
which stands for the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. I think I got that right. Check them out. Tons of very interesting information and they're making some good headway with changing the regulations around psychedelics. One that I found really, really helpful is one called The Third Wave, which the website is thethirdwave.co. Check them out. It's fantastic. They've got a bunch of information on, on microdosing, a bunch of information on doing larger doses and, and just how to do the experience safely. It's a, it's a fantastic resource. So check them out. I really like what they're doing there. All right, that's it for me. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.